This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, Lady Justice, uh, your host with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So, yes, um, hello, everyone across the nation. Good morning, uh, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you happen to to be listening. Um, And I want to to, uh, remind you that these shows are always available on the archives if you cannot be with us live at 11 a.m. to noon um, Eastern time, Um, and that is the beauty of a podcast. So um, I have to let you know that um, today we're, we're delving off into, I guess you could say, more of the psychological realm, and it is always fun to have our semi-regular guest, Dwayne T. Bowers, who we all know is a, um, is a licensed professional counselor um, and a certified hypnotherapist. He he has um, also uh, written a, written uh, uh, a couple of books with with regard to loss and grief and and supporting uh, people uh, who have children or uh, families with uh, missing children and you know he is our resident expert in a lot of different areas that that we have encountered. <laughs> This may be about our 10th show or, or so, uh, so I commend him for putting up with me all this, um, all these many <laughs> years and um, value his advice always. So um, I want to welcome him, but just briefly say good morning, Delilah. Um, you know, this is meant to be sort of a, a fun show. We, we're going to sort of po- poke fun at people's maladies and how we w- would deal with maybe dysfunctional behaviors and how do we navigate the world when we have to de- we have to deal with difficult people so i commend you for dealing with with, with me all, all these many years because i haven't always been perfect so thank you for hanging in there <laughs> yeah well you know like a bad penny i keep coming back so <laughs> and, and Dwayne too i don't know why he keeps coming back but he does so we benefit and so do the listeners benefit from from him being able and, and willing to come back time after time and all as always it's it's great information um and i'm looking forward to having a bunch of fun i mean you know, we all we all have crazy personalities in one way or another, and, and it's nice to have Dwayne here to help us sort it all out. So, <laughs> happy Absolutely. to have you back again, Dwayne. Yes, uh, folks, so good you. morning, Dwayne, and and thank you for being with us again for the hundredth show or whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, Donna and Delilah. I love being on the show, so thank you for having me back again. Well, it's it, it's our pleasure as always, and you have a big fan base, so I love to be able to uh, participate in that as well. Um, I only hang out with the best people, you know. <laughs> so today, <laughs> today we—I mean, I let's just say how this sort of started. I saw this 
this um, intriguing article on Huffington Post and whether or not the information is always 100% accurate. It's sort of controversial. It's fun. And so I said, hey, this might make a really cool show with Dwayne's input, and this is how it it started out. And I don't know whether the, the vernacular toxic people is real or not. It's just something that somebody made up. Um, because we, when we talked about the, the, the possibility of doing this show, you and I shared, well, these aren't really personality disorders. They're, 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 maybe they're coping styles. It, does mm-hmm. it have to do with mental health? Why don't you really introduce this topic for us and frame it and, and how it plays into stress and what we need to do, what we're going to talk about the shower? Sure, sure. Well, like you said, the, 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 the title of the article was 10 uh, Toxic People You Should Avoid at All Costs, and it was written by Travis Bradbury. And it's not personality disorder. These, these are coping mechanisms that people have acquired, learned, practiced, and profess, uh, 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 made perfect uh, uh, in order to manipulate other people or to control their environment. Let's put it that way. And so they need these, these uh, behaviors in order to feel that they are in control of their environment. Unfortunately, if we are in that environment, then we are affected by these behaviors. And actually what Bradbury says here is he, he quotes some, some research that talks about he picked out these 10 because the research said that these 10 types of, of behaviors actually cause a stress reaction within other people around them, around the one who is, who is being this kind of person. And so what this means is we actually have a stress response when we interact with these people, and it can be significant. And, and, and I just want to kind of remind people what that means. When we have a stress response, we actually flood with cortisol, um, which causes some behavior or some functioning changes. And I just wanted to kind of remind folks, if, if I can take a minute here to do so, what, what that means. Um, and I want you to think about your work environment or your environment with your family or any environment that you find yourself in. Are there people that make you uncomfortable? And then think of these um, uh, warning signs that I'm going to list uh, when you walk away from that person, do you have one of these warning signs or two or three? And if so, that's telling you that this person is actually doing more than just upsetting you. They're actually throwing you into a stress response. Your cortisol levels are going up, and it's going to affect your functioning. Some of that functioning includes um, a difficulty uh, concentrating. When you walk away from this person, is it hard to concentrate? Is it hard to remember Stuff. Does it affect your memory? Does it affect your ability to learn new information uh, as you walk away from this person? Do you, are you angry when you walk away? Does it increase your anger and you kind of snap much more quickly? Um, do, you, does, do you take it home with you? And does it affect your ability to sleep when you go to bed and you think about this person? Are, are they actually in that much control that they um, actually affect your sleep? Does it give you a negative worldview or a negative view of the job? Oh, my God, I hate going to work because that person just drives me nuts. That person just always makes me feel bad. Um, uh, when you walk away from them, when you go back to your cubicle or your desk or whatever, do you find that you are in a, a loop, a thinking loop, repetitive thinking? They've thrown you off so much that you're considering what they're saying and you're going round and round and round about what they're saying, and you're kind of in this thinking loop. And that happens often. Um, over time, it can actually affect your immune system. But when you walk away, do you walk away and feel it in your body? Do you have a headache? Does your, is your stomach upset? Uh, are your muscles hurting? Are your joints hurting uh, as a result? Um, are you always watching your back, <laughs> kind of looking out <laughs> <Yeah>. for them <laughs> mm-hmm. so that they don't sneak up on you, you know, that kind of thing? Um, do you just want to disconnect from everything? Uh, do you just want to be left alone and do your job and just don't bother me? Uh, or do you find yourself just not caring about the job anymore because it's such a hassle to deal with this person? And does it actually make you feel depressed? So think about these things. If you walk away with a couple of these symptoms, every time you walk away from this person, they're having an impact on you that is actually affecting your body 
causing a, a chemical reaction, which um, actually short term, it's actually, according to the research that Bradbury cited, it's actually um, temporarily destroying some brain cells. And if you're exposed to it over a long period of time, it can actually permanently uh, destroy some brain cells. So this is, while we're going to have fun with this, there's a real serious issue here about if you let this person have control and, 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 and uh, cause you to respond, there's some significant even damage that they're doing to you. And we'll talk at the end about what you can do about that. So that was a long intro. Yeah. I'm sorry, Donna. <laughs> no, that, no, that's fine. Um, while you were relating that, I was just wondering if you could explain, um, are these, are these coping behaviors, are they uh, genetic, innate, are they learned over time through um, maybe a dysfunctional uh, family environment, or how is it developed and how do they grab onto this and use these as their modus operandi, if it, for lack of a better term? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like us. We have a set of coping skills that we have learned over time that help us to control our environment, help us to feel comfortable in our environment. And that's what they have done. Unfortunately, they have learned coping mechanisms that instead of uh, helping them to move ahead or grow or prosper within, within the environment, they feel they have to affect others in the environment in order to ch achieve their own end. And mm -hmm. so they start focusing out on others rather than on themselves to achieve what, what it is they're trying to achieve. Well, more, uh, what do I say, more balanced people, more, more, um, yeah, more balanced yeah. people, which, <laughs> yeah, would, would, would meet the challenges and rather than try to change the environment, would try to grow to, to be able to work effectively within the environment. Um, so I, I think that kind of answers that. Yeah. Is, is it a matter of just um, when, say, you know, one of these coping styles that they use, okay, well, I'm not getting my way, so I'll act in this way, and they find in that particular isolated circumstance it works, and then they just habitually repeat it, and is that how they develop this as a strategy? Mm -hmm. And the way that it usually happens is when we are kids, we find that we have to do certain things to get our needs met, whether it's food, whether it's attention, whether it's love, whatever. And so we, we will come up with these different strategies. Or once we get into school, in order to be connected to peers and feel that we fit in, we learn different skills to do that. And they work then. But then we hold on to them into our adulthood where we really don't need them anymore, but we've so perfected them that this is now, uh, it becomes a part of us. It becomes, the coping skill becomes part of us, and it's how we deal with our environment. So it's not unusual to carry those things from childhood throughout our whole life, even if they, they don't really serve us well. Yeah. In fact, we probably developed them in childhood or um, – adolescence in order to, like I said, feel comfortable in our environment. So, yeah. Wow. And for those of us that had a very unique childhood, such as, as mine, mm -hmm. as you know, with all of my, with all of my medical issues and surgeries and, and then homicide later, I'm just wondering how I, how I came out to be as quote unquote adjusted as I have. So, it's it's very intriguing to me. So let's kind of delve in, delve into it. Where where would you like to start with regard to? Would you want to talk to, about some of the specifics um, in the article? Where, where should we start? Yeah, I think we'll look at let's look at these these ten different types and and I'll okay. just throw them out there and give a little background on them and and, and I encourage uh, you and Delilah to if you know somebody like that to kind of you know use them as an example and say oh yeah that I know who that is and, <laughs> da, 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 you know that okay. sort of thing yeah so the first one the first one on here is is uh, uh, the person who is arrogant and. Um, an, an arrogant person is really being arrogant because they don't have uh, a sense of, of, of true confidence in themselves. So they're trying to convince other people that they are confident. 
but they are what they are. And, and the important element here for an arrogant person is they're not putting you down. They're trying to convince you that they are up, that they are better, that they are superior. Um, but what happens is they actually tend to be poor performers, uh, and, and they tend to be eh, pretty disagreeable, and they have more problems processing things cognitively. So they're really trying to cover up a lot of weaknesses with this superior attitude. The best example I can give you is, for those of you who may know this, this British comedian, um, uh, uh, Dame Edna, um, She's, uh, she does like a one-woman show, and she's on talk shows and stuff like that. And she's, she's, she's got blue hair, and she's bigger than life, and she's got wing, wing glasses and whatever. And it doesn't matter what you I know say her. to Dame – Yeah. It doesn't matter what you say to Dame Edna. It will always end up that she's better than you. I'll give you an example. She, um, she was talking once about somebody had called her uh, – let's see, how am I going to say it? An arrogant bee. Okay. Yeah. And mm -hmm. her response to this person was, oh, dear, of course you would express yourself that way because you haven't had access to a, an advanced education um, to give you other skills to express yourself in another way. The way you yeah. know an arrogant person is take their sentence and do the words like me fit at the end of the sentence. So you haven't mm. had the chance to have, uh, to learn, uh, to be able to learn the skills to talk. And so this person responded to her and said, I have a master's degree. And her response to them was, well, isn't that fortunate for you? It is unfortunate, however, that you didn't have the capacity to take that information in and make it part of yourself so that you could be a good representative of someone with a higher education. Like, you know, yeah. the hidden uh, I, words. I encounter people who are, uh, are lamenting about how many people they are responsible for at work, many more hundreds than the rest of them, and how many degrees the person has and, and how mm -hmm. much stress they are under. And um, then the, 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 other, the other issue is that they are always, and I don't know if this fits into this one, they're always repeating the same um, story over and over something that they did that uh, was tremendously well and perhaps you've mm -hmm. heard it like a hundred times, but mm -hmm. they don't remember that they told you that like over and over and over again. And I'm not talking about lack of memory. It's just this grandiose example of how wonderful I am. Is that part this of it? This is the person. Yeah, this is the person that in a staff meeting or whatever constantly reminds everybody, well, you know, when I won the award for da-da-da-da, and they, they go on. And it, understand that the arrogant person is not trying to put you down. They're trying to – the words they're using are not describing you. They're describing them. So when Dame Edna said, it's unfortunate you don't have the capacity to take that education and incorporate it in such a way that you could be – she's talking about herself. She's describing herself, not you. And right. she's just saying, too bad you can't be like me. Always try to put like me at the end of the sentence, and if it like fits, me. they're being arrogant. Yeah. 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 That, I, I know several, several people like that, and I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm not at watch. You can, so for example, you can, you can try to redirect the conversation. You, you can say, well, I'm sorry, I've seen, I know, and I've heard that before. You can walk away. I mean, I don't know. It, with all of these, your Make building boundaries. Um, the, the way that you create a boundary or the way you escape them are they all the same, or are there different strategies for the for these different forms of of coping behaviors, Dwayne? We're gonna go, we're gonna at the end go over a, okay. a, sort of a three step process do? of what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's kind of a uniform for all of these, but but. <laughs> you know, I'm, let's, I'm kind of a let's smart. Let's do that after we get through them. Yeah. yeah. Delilah, do you have any example of arrogance that you can think of? And you don't have to name, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to name names. But I think we all run, probably <laughs> run into some people in our lives that will fit each and every one of these descriptions. Oh, absolutely. So, and maybe yeah. more than one. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. 
I think so. This so, this is fun. This is interesting to hear. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I think well, as Don and I can sit back and listen to you talk, Dwayne, and 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 describe these behaviors. Of course, you know, many people come to mind. <laughs> well, also, I just want to put out there. I mean. When Delilah, when you're working in your own business, so maybe you might be somewhat sheltered in if you work at home, you're not in the same kind of a work setting like I am, but you still have to build that that client relationship. So it's it's not like, oh, somebody that just comes up to you and says something and you can walk away. If you are working with a client in a, you know, I'm providing you a service and they're paying you, you are obligated that you have to sort of go that extra mile because it's a business relationship, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah. it's harder. Yeah, yeah. You can't just say, oh, I can't stand what you're doing and walk away because you have a business relationship. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let, let's let Dwayne get on to yes, number let's, two. Yes, let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Who else would so, know? So, Who else? So the second so the second one we'll talk about is the person who's judgmental. And this is, this is a person who they're now the arrogant person is talking about themselves and making themselves better than you, but they're not really talking to you. The judgmental person is talking to you. They're trying to make you feel bad. They will attack the thing that you uh, uh, value and try to take the value out of it to make you feel bad. What they're trying to do is attack your confidence. And if they can attack your confidence and make you feel less confident, then you're uh, easy to manipulate. Um, and they are in a position where they're looking down on others. The, the arrogant person really isn't looking down on people. They just try to believe that they're better than them. This person actually is looking down on people. The, the example I came up with in my head is, let's say that you like to sing in your church choir. And you know that you're okay. You know, you're not bad. You know, and one Sunday the, the, the choir master gives you a, a solo and you sing the solo and you did good and you're feeling good about it. And one of the congregants comes up to you and says, well, you certainly have come a long way in the choir, but I was just wondering, don't yeah. you think it might be a blessing to all of us if you got some singing lessons? Oh, my goodness. The next time the choir master came to you and said, would you like to sing a solo, how would you feel about that? Your confidence would be shaken. Yeah, of course. You know? And this person insulted you. And and they made a judgment statement without saying you're worse than something else. They just judged you, just straight out made a judgment statement. And this person probably can't sing at all. It has nothing to do with them. It has to do with them making you feel bad and go for your confidence. Yeah. You ever had anybody like that? Well, yeah. You know what comes to mind with me um, in, in the fact that we were immersed um, in working, all of us are immersed in working with people who perhaps have had, you know, a missing person or someone that, you know, in a homicide Mm -hmm. or sexual assault or whatever. And people, make judgments all the time about the victim. Oh, well, mm-hmm. that person took drugs, they were a drug addict, or they were this, or they were that. And, you know, that does not matter whatsoever. They still deserve dignity. They're a human being. They, they mm-hmm. deserve mm-hmm. services and help and all of that. That's what really comes to mind is that people outside of our realm, of those of us that try to help uh, sort of the downtrodden or the people, um, it, other people from the outside, they just look in and they say, well, what do you expect? That person engaged in that behavior or they did mm-hmm. this or they did that. And that's where there I see go. the most judgmental behavior. Is that a good example, Dwayne? Let me give you an even better one, and that's parents of missing children where somebody looks at the parent of a missing child or a child that's a runaway and the and the person says to the parent, "Well, I just wonder what they're running away from." Ooh, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, and again, see what they're doing is they're taking something that you're really passionate about, you're really you're really connected to, and they're trying to make you feel bad in it. 
or they'll say like if a fa- if a father um, uh, abducts if it's a family abduction the father abducts the child um, and they say to the mother oh well at least they're with their father you know uh, it it just they take something that is emotional to you something that you're passionate about and try to make you feel bad about it that oh well it's okay he's with his father and that's the same as if he was with you you know kind of thing yeah does that yeah does that do it. Right, right, absolutely, and it would it would push my buttons for someone from the outside to say, oh, what, why are you spending all that time on homicide stuff? Your 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 father passed away a long time ago. Move on or whatever. And I've had people tell me that, and it does push my buttons. So I guess mm-hmm. I need to be able to be prepared to to deal with it better. Although I try to, you know, ignoring is supposed to be a good strategy, but I know that we can um, talk about those at the end, but. Yeah, yeah, the things yeah, you yeah. feel passionate about, and other people just like, ugh. You, know, you know, on, so. on that same on that same line, I think with social media, we see even more judgmental people oh, coming yeah. out of the closet. Oh, and it, it, yeah. is, it just amazes me when a news story hits or something along those lines that you were speaking mm-hmm. about. The first thing mm-hmm. people say, well, where were the parents? You know, what did the parents mm-hmm. do? It's bad mm-hmm. parenting. and. You know, they're very quick to pass that judgment before even mm-hmm. getting all of the information. So right. we are judged yeah. we are judged a lot on social media because it's safe to do because it's not face to face. So I can say anything I want about you, you know. I remember yeah. also as, uh an example where a woman uh her husband had died and his mother came up to her at the funeral, shook her hand and said, Well, at least he's in a better place. Well, and they think that's supposed to be comforting. No, 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 no. She didn't. What? She, she oh, said it as a judgment. She said oh, it on she, purpose. Right. But, yeah, some people would think, well, that is meant to be comforting, but it's really judgmental. I mean, people yeah, don't know what yeah. to say in that situation, but absolutely the the, the subtext is that, oh, well, you know, they it, should have gotten he, out he, of that situation. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's what the mother-in-law Ugh. meant. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So anyhow, yeah, we, get, we, we get behavior. it. We get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. So judgmental can be very dis- very destructive to somebody's, um, you know, people's self-image and self-esteem and all of that. So uh, you're, you're, you're confident. Yeah. You're confident. Yeah. And it's, like we said, that's rampant. It targets your confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also you had mentioned just walk away. Now, the important thing, and one of the reasons we're doing this is to help people, you know, if I just walk away, guess what? I'm walking away with all that stuff. I'm still having the stress response. And we're looking, the reason we're doing this is to help people to learn effective ways to deal with the reaction that they're having from these folks. And just walking away isn't necessarily a good one because I still have ah. all that stuff. Um, I'm taking it with me and I feel Mm -hmm. bad about myself because I didn't know what to say back or I didn't know how to handle it. I just kind of walked away and I still feel bad about myself. So we'll look at some strategies. Okay. Well, that's a good point. Thank you for pointing that out. I won't try that again. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is, is, is what he calls the twisted. And these are people who, who really do enjoy making people hurt. Um, uh, really enjoy um, setting up situations or doing things that bring up the misery of others, that, that make it even worse, that put, you know, when they're already struggling, adding another struggle to it or adding another challenge to it to make them even, even more, um, um, uh, make, make their life even more difficult. And they do it purposefully. Um, there's a b- belief that um, if, you, uh, if you're in pain, you want others to be in pain. And so these people may actually be viewing their own life that, that they are in pain or they're struggling or whatever, so they kind of uh, set up obstacles to other people uh, to make their life a little more difficult. Does that, uh, does that ring a bell with anybody? Well, yeah, but how um... – how mean are you talking about in terms of what what they're doing? I mean, does this border on someone that's like a sociopath or something, or is this out outside of the that realm? So, what would be um, an example of twisted? 
Yeah, remember oh, the, the the movie um, uh, The Devil Wears Prada? Prada? Uh, I, it, it was Glenn Close, and she was the head of this fashion company. And she was a vicious, vicious person, and she oh, set yeah. out to hurt people. She said things to hurt people, to put them down, to make them feel bad. And she she sort of um, empowered herself by doing that. By uh, it, it wasn't just judgmental. It was hurting people. It was um, attacking them personally. Um, uh, the Devil Wears Prada, I think, was the name of the movie. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a perfect example. So, yeah, I put up something I had written about her, uh, coincidentally, with the fatal attraction last night, just to get people to sort of pay attention that we're going to do this. But I know that's <laughs> sort of a different issue. Um, but, yeah, and so is that a means of this person climbing the corporate ladder and stepping on people, and they don't, they don't give a, a care about what they do and who they hurt mm-hmm. kind of thing? I, I, it doesn't even have to be, there doesn't even have to be a reason necessarily. Um, again, here's another example. It's an old movie, uh, Baby Jane, whatever happened to Baby Jane, where oh, yeah. um, the, the Betty Davis character kept doing things to um, uh, the other character who was, who was paraplegic bedbound, and she would, like, kill her bird and serve it to her. Um, uh, those kinds of things, just purposely to hurt her, uh, to to make her life miserable. Um, uh, and, and this is emotional pain we're talking about, not physical pain. Um, okay. But that would yep. be an example. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, those of us that remember that that movie, we're dating ourselves, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. that vaguely. Um, yeah, no, that's that's good. And oh, those those people sound really evil, you know, to me. Mm-hmm. If you can use mm-hmm. that word, so mm-hmm. twisted, twisted. Um, stay away from those people. Which, which absolutely. Um, the next, because my list is is numbered differently than yours. So go ahead. I think we're oh, okay. looking at the same thing, but numbered differently. Go ahead. Okay. And actually, mine came off of uh, Forbes. dot com. So. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. So. The, the next one on mine is, they, mine actually numbered backwards from 10 to 1, so maybe that's the difference. Um, maybe. The next one on my list is The Dementor. Now, if you remember in the um, yes. Harry Potter movies, literally the Dementor is the person, it, it was the entity or the spirit that would come in and suck the life, suck the spirit out of humans. And that's really what the Dementor does. This is a person that when you're with a group of people can walk into the room and the room changes the minute they walk in, and not for the good. There suddenly is sort of a pall over the room. Everybody kind of quiets down and tries to move away from them because this person always talks about the negative. They'll come into the room and they'll say something like, oh, my God, the last time I was in a big room like this, there was a terrorist shooting in it. <laughs> That's going to kind of put a quell on the party, isn't it? Or, yeah, oh, I wouldn't eat any of that food. It's been exposed for so long. Who knows what kind of, what kind of germs and bugs are in that, you know, and, oh, and yeah. they just suck the life out of the room, <laughs> out of the people, you know, got it, got examples of that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm thinking of people that make those kinds of statements and are, are somebody that's, uh, you know, nine out of 10 times will say a negative, a negative statement and the glass is always, half empty kind of thing like they, they can never these be if, if these people i'm thinking of they'll never they're not definitely not warm and fuzzy they won't say they won't say good morning to you but they'll always point out something negative first and very rarely say something positive right right and usually it is fear-based it's something that makes you feel just slightly afraid. Oh, I wouldn't eat that. That who knows how long that's been out there. Well, now I'm suddenly afraid it's going to make me sick. It's not only negative, but it actually makes me a little bit afraid. Oh, so this room paranoid? reminds me of. No, they just feel comfortable in negativity. They just feel comfortable. They're probably well. I don't know. I can't say that officially. But you know, if they're trying to make other people afraid, maybe they are afraid. I don't know. Mm. 
and just putting putting a damper on on the whole thing. And is it usually something in a group setting where they can affect the change for a lot of people versus saying it one to one? Well, the, it, it can happen both ways. So you know, you're sitting in your cubicle. This person walks in. Um, you're you're eating carrots, let's say, and they go. Oh, I wouldn't eat carrots. I read this article about how much <laughs> sugar they have. They're just going to make you fat, you know? Yeah. And you're trying to eat carrots to lose weight, you know? So, yeah. yeah. You say, they're well, gee, find, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, they're going to find something negative about anything. Yeah. Oh, oh the, the, yeah, those people would drive me crazy. Uh, Delilah, be sure to jump in here if you have an example. Um, well, and the only thing I can say is, yes, I can think of people like this, but they they don't tend to stay in my life very long. Maybe I'm the yeah, one that mm-hmm. runs away or avoids or whatever it might be. And I'm you know as we go down the list, yes, I think of of certain people each each way each point you make, but it's like they may be in my life for a very short time and then they're gone. Either well, I and, figured out and, how to get rid and, of them or they just go away. That's right. Well, no, you, you learn to set boundaries for yourself right. that says, you know, I can't incorporate these people into my environment. And because they're trying to change their environment by changing me, I can't have them in mind. So, and so what you're doing yeah. is you're setting appropriate boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, that's good, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. So you're you're able to, to shed people well and, you know, maybe – yeah, maybe I'm not as as good about that, so I need to learn that. <laughs> but some people you can't shed, you know. That you're yeah, there are some people you have to. You're related to them, or that I am just saying in general now, you have to work with them every day. You can't shed them. There's no way. You you know maybe you can do it less, but you can't totally shed them. There are those situations, mm-hmm. correct, Dwayne? <laughs> Yeah, 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 and yeah. but you can learn to to not allow them to affect you. Um, right. You may have to interact with them, you may have to deal with them, but you can learn ways that their toxicity doesn't affect you. That you can put up appropriate boundaries. Um, you know, the next one is one that we all have had in our lives, and this is the manipulator. This is the mm. person who um, appears to be a friend and constantly talks about what a good friend you are and da, 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 da. But then when you start looking at the friendship, you realize you're the one that keeps doing things for them and you keep giving and giving. But when you ask for something or you need something, they have a convenient excuse that, Oh, I'm so sorry, but I can't take you tomorrow because I, you know, my car's going in the shop. I would take you. Uh, that's what a friend would do, but I'm sorry. My car's in the shop. But then you start to realize, wait a minute, we've known each other for five years I've done all these things for this person, and I can't think of one time they went out of their way and did something for me. And, and so the cost of the friendship, um, or, or they're, they're offering the friendship as the payment for you doing things for them. And it's slick because it takes a while for us to realize, wait a minute, what am I getting out of this? I'm doing all this stuff, and right. yet whenever I need something – they're not there, and they're so good at it, it takes a little while to catch on to that. So in this one, Dwayne, there's no reciprocity. Very little, absolutely. Or they'll do just enough to keep you connected, on the, on you know, <laughs> but, but then they're asking more of you than they're willing to give. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, they're, they're, they're very slick. and dead. So if they kind of um, – throw in compliments about you or something to kind of mm-hmm, keep their mm-hmm. reinforcement in there, but they're not actively initiating to really do anything nice for you to just say something mm-hmm. to keep you on the hook kind of thing? It, in fact, they may say something like, oh, you're such a good friend. I've just never had such a good friend as you. Well, so they just <laughs> stroked your ego. You're ready to give them two or three more things, aren't you? Because you're such a good friend. Yeah, they, they know how to manipulate you, how to give up as little as possible and get as much as possible from the relationship. Yeah. Well, is there, that brings this question up. Is there a good way to, to, to uh, decipher false compliments between, uh, between to discern between false compliments and sincerity? 
Does it have to be followed up with behavior? Is that how you tell the difference? I think so, yeah. And in this case, I'm not sure that the, confident, that the, that the comments are false. They may actually believe you're a very good friend. Um, but they're not willing to be a very good friend in return um, because they're not doing the same things for you that they are expecting from, from you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's so always in the long, behavior, isn't it? How long do you give these re- fake relationships? That, is it like, okay, after three months, this person hasn't done anything to try to even <laughs> show some reciprocity? I mean, is there like a time frame on that, that you might give or do you want me to wait to the end? Like, okay, I've had enough of this person. I've been very patient. Or, or whatever, or does it really depend? I think it, 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 when it first comes to your mind of what am I actually getting out of this relationship, the first time you question that, it's time to make a change oh, because it's okay. come to your awareness. Yeah, okay. because it's come to your awareness. They've been so obvious. They, they, they've been so good and so slick. But when you finally start to go, wait a minute, what am I getting out of this? Mm-hmm. You know it's time to go. Yep. Oh, yep. okay. That's a good. That's a good point. I'm writing that one down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So yes, and I think we all have had manipulators in our past or in our oh, present. Yeah. Like, after this show, we can just start implementing all these good things, Dwayne. That's what I love about this. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So cool. Um, the manipulator. Anything else to say yep. about that, or examples, anyone? Other examples? I know I've gotten sucked in, and many, you know, because I'm such, you know, when when you do the, and maybe this is sort of related, when I did the Myers-Briggs inventory, Dwayne, mm-hmm. the personality mm-hmm. inventory, guess which one I came out to be? Well, the ENFJ, the ultimate giver. That's, that's uh-huh. who I of am, course. the giver. So the giver. And you're the perfect target. You're the perfect target for a manipulator because you want to give, 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 and I just want to take, take, take. So you're a perfect target. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right. So tell me which ones I need to watch out for in, in the rest of the list as the ultimate giver because mm-hmm. I don't want to mm-hmm. fall into this trap. Okay. Very good. Um, so now we know about the manipulator. But, what, what should we, which one should we do next? The next one would be the envious. Um, these are people that no matter what they have, they want what somebody else has. That something, somebody else has something even better than what they have, and, and it's, it's um, out of their control. So, so you, you may be in a relationship with this person, and they're talking about, oh, if I only had one of those, if I only had one of those, it, just, it would make my life so much better. Da, da, da. And so you think, you know what, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to get her one of those or I'm going to get him one of those. And so whatever it is, you get it for them. And, then, and you, you might get a thank you. You might get, oh, what, it wasn't that nice of you. And, da, 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 da. and pretty soon you start hearing, you know, I wish this did such and such. Yeah, I wish it would do this. And I wish it did this instead. And, you know, thus and so has one that does this. And suddenly they're envious of something else again it's whatever they have is never good enough and they always see something better they're always looking for something better and 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 i'm not saying you know people who are trying to achieve and grow that's a positive thing but this is just about um i'm never satisfied yeah 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 yeah. or relationship wise exactly exactly well you know her friend did this for her and I just don't have any friends that would do that for me, you know, constantly so, looking for something better. Yep. Is that coming out of a sense of insecurity? Is that like, you know, you have what you have, but you're, you always think that, is it kind of the grass is always greener syndrome here? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, and that could come from a childhood of, of need and wants, you know, where, where, Maybe you didn't have a lot as a kid, and and um, you know you you did see other people who had more. But like I said, very often these coping mechanisms um, we hold on to them way past their usefulness, and now they become toxic. Okay, so but but then there's that sense of you know I live a, a 
my life is not filled with a lot of material goods or I don't do a lot of, you know, other things that cost a lot of money. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty much satisfied with that, but I think I have, like, a very strong drive to succeed. And But, you know, I don't want – people might think out there from my presence I want to be like Oprah. I really don't. But how do you, you balance it out? You, you know that your life is pretty content, and I have to be content with the success that I do, and sometimes I think that's one of my problems. I'm always – driven and strive for more, so I'll use this as my own example, and, and sometimes I think that drives people crazy that, you know, I am striving for more in terms of doing more, doing better, but it's really, in a sense, to try to help other people, and it's it's not really about trying to ingratiate myself, it's, it's trying to do more, to do better quality things, but I think I'm, sometimes I'm my worst enemy in terms of that because I'm not it kind of all knows into one um, Dwayne. for me I'm not patient I'm driven but I'm not I don't give myself the patience to wait for things and mm-hmm. you know and it kind of feeds into each other so that's that's what I'm saying in terms of I, I'm not trying to you know be the most famous crime veteran advocate there ever was but yet um, you know, maybe, maybe some people perceive me as that if, if I'm not patient enough. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's different. I think uh, you're, you're striving, you're driving to be better. That's completely different. An envious person sees something that someone else has and covets it. So um, the only way that would apply to you is if you saw someone who um, had, a, had a radio show like yours. And, and suddenly they got a big grant from DOJ, uh, Department of Justice, to help support that, then you would be envious of that grant. Well, why did they get it and I didn't? I need a grant like that. It's, it's, yeah. it, you see the difference? It's not about yeah. how you're striving to grow as an individual. It's about seeing somebody else having something and wanting it, and what you have is never enough. Forgetting the fact that you reach lots of people with your show and now you're so set on, I have to have a grant because I've got to reach more people, and you're forgetting the fact that you're already reaching a lot of people. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, and, you know, yeah. again, sometimes I just think for me, because I'm, I'm so close to it, I can't see the forest for the trees, and I don't, I don't have a lot of people to give me feedback, and I get myself in, into trouble to, to give me that sense of reality if, if I if my perception is a little bit off on things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So I, yeah. I and I'm and I'm not envious of people or else I'd be surrounded yeah. by material goods and new cars and, and the yeah. latest yeah, and yeah. greatest thing. And so I yeah. think I can separate myself from, from the envious person but so I'm glad you clarified that. Um yeah. you know there there is a difference. There is a difference. So Thank you for that. Um, it's, it's it's different. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna I'm gonna go do one and just kind of slide past it and then go into one that we all have seen too. I'm, I'm okay. gonna start with the self the self absorbed. This is a person that that just uh, doesn't need you around. Doesn't have any need or value for you. And they do things without your input. They do things as if you're not even there. As if you don't even exist. Um, they don't see a point in having any kind of a relationship with you, um, and they just um, uh, make you feel like you're completely alone, that you're not even part of the process that you're supposed to be in. They just, it's not an arrogance. They just, they just act like you're not there. They're just um, into being, doing it all themselves, and um, um, they distance themselves from other people. And they're just kind of what we would call the lone, sort of the lone ranger or the, the 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 lone one out there doing it on their own. Um, like I said, I want to move on to the next one just to save us a little bit of time. The next one yep. is the victim. And the victim is somebody we've all seen and dealt with, and they drain us. Um, this is a person that no matter what happens, it has hurt them in some way, and it was purposeful. They find themselves having been negatively affected by everything that happens and that's their lot in life. And um, 
you know, when you first meet one, they're talking about, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just kind of on my own. My, my kids never come to visit, and, and you know, when I need prescriptions and stuff, I just, I have to hope that I can get a taxi to go pick them up for me, and they're oh, just boy. on and on and on. And so that, and then you feel bad for them, so you say, well, well, I can pick up your prescription for you. Oh, would mm-hmm. you do that? Oh, that's so nice. And so you do it. And they're like, oh, I should have, should have told you I wanted the childproof caps. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to open these. Um, and, and, you know, the druggist knows me. They know that I can't open these. But, oh, I'll have to suffer through it somehow. Does this kind of ring a bell for folks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, those, those people drive me crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. know what I say? I, I liken it to people, you know, that, that um, complain about, oh, I broke my nail when I was working on my computer. And I say, well, Go through a homicide and then tell me that you have something real to complain yeah. about. Isn't there? Yeah. Is it true there's a lack of proportion there? What it, what it is is they don't want to accept responsibility for everything, for anything. So um, if I can be a victim, I'm not responsible. People are doing things to me, and I don't have to accept the responsibility for my life or the way things are in my life or where I am in my job or in my career because, you know, I've always had bosses who were threatened by me, and so they never gave me good evaluations, so I never got ahead. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's always always, an excuse. Yeah, and so it's not my fault that I am in this place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I I mm-hmm. I've met a lot of people like that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure the two of you have too. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That's a popular one, isn't it? Right. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. The next one on the list is the temperamental. This is the person who just cannot control their emotions. So you know they they'll break down and cry. They get angry at the spur of the moment. I mean, you just never know where they're going to be. They seem to be all over the place emotionally and at work. These are really disruptive people because they they just wear their emotions on their sleeve and they just they they have an emotional response to every change or everything that happens, and so you start walking on eggshells anytime you're around this person because you never know what what is the response going to be. It's going to be emotional, what, I know that, but what's it going to be? What's going to set them off, so, right, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, pretty much anything's going to set them off. It's just what is it going to be and what is it I'm going to have to deal with? And this is hard for supervisors because if they've got somebody that they're supervising and now they have to tell them you need to do something different or whatever, they know they're going to get an emotional response and it just becomes a very difficult kind of relationship. Yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and, 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 Duane, just quickly, is it possible for one particular person to display – uh, and I'm thinking I'm right. A number of these of these traits, or t- two or three of them, and it's not just oh, yeah. a pure arrogance. A <laughs> I'm thinking oh, of certain yeah. people, and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, check the box on that person. They, they they already have three or four of them, and this is only one person. Is that mm-hmm. true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, very much so. Uh, for example, a, a victim can also be temperamental. So if, every, if they're not responsible for everything, they're not responsible for their life the way it is, and every time something happens, they're going to have an emotional response to it. And it's not their fault because you made me feel this way. So, yeah, so you've got temperamental and victim. Yep, Ugh. absolutely. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Well, That's that the, was uh, luckily in mine. What, yeah. <laughs> what's been, what's the next the, one on your list? The last one. Yeah, the last one on the list is the gossip. And again, we've all, all encountered that person. I oh, yeah. tell people all the time, people associate, uh, people will think, when people look at you, they look at who you hang with. And if you're hanging with gossips, then they assume you're a gossip. If you're hanging with the people at work who are the negatrons, always talking bad about the job and bad about the agency and, and complaining and whatever, and you have lunch with, and you're always having lunch with them, people are going to assume you are negative. Um, and so it's, it's important to, you know, especially gossip. Gossip, you got to be careful. You can really hurt people with gossip. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very destructive. 
And, um, and the other thing to remember about gossips is if they're gossiping to you about somebody else, tick, 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 tick right. guess what they're talking about to somebody else, you know? About you, yes. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, you, you, it sounds like, you know, we, we have to find a way. Well, I'm thinking of, you know, uh, be, being insular, insulating ourselves. Like you, you had said, a good thing is is not to walk away, run away. As Delilah said, run away. I said walk away. But yet, is that not a good coping strategy? We have to rid ourselves of those people if we can. But what are what are some of the ways um, that that we well, can let me achieve? Clar- yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let me, let me clarify what I was saying there. If you're working with this person and so you know you're going to be around them, if every time they hurt you, you just walk away, you're taking that hurt with you, and you're going to have to face them again. And if you walk away, you're going to take that hurt with you and whatever. So you're not really – you're still allowing them to affect you. That's a little different than what uh, Delilah was saying about she just removes them from her life. She knows she doesn't have to interact with them anymore. So she yeah. made the decision that they're not in, the, in her life. So she, she's, she's put up that boundary. But yep. we wanna, we wanna, I want to first of all say, you know, we tend to, when we're dealing with people like these, we tend to want to kind of lash back. We want to kind of, sometimes we want to do the same back to them that they do to us. The problem with that is, this is a coping mechanism that they've been doing their whole life. They are expert at it. And if you try to trick them at their own game or try to flip it back on them, they are going to win. And they're going to hurt you even more or, or upset you even more or you're going to walk away feeling even less valuable because they're good at these skills. They've been doing them forever. You trying to do it for a first time to flip it back usually is going to backfire. And, and so, yeah, we want to get away from doing that. But we want to be able to, one of the things that they suggest is disconnect from them. In other words, start to look at them like, like you're their therapist, like <laughs> they are a science project. And you're just observing to see what's going to happen next. Try, and, and what that suggests is that you're disconnecting from them uh, emotionally that you're just watching what's going to happen next, that they're a movie that you're watching, um, that you're not really involved in this. You're just, you're just there watching this and, and try to disconnect yourself from it. So when you're, um, when, you're, um, when you're able to label, and the reason I went through these 10 was if you can actually put a label to the behavior of the person who is toxic for you, Um, Once you label the behavior, you can now predict it. You can now say, oh, that's a victim. And so they're going to do this. And I know when this is going to happen. I know how they're going to respond to whatever I do. So I can predict it. And once I can predict it, now I can start planning for it. Now I can start being ready for that kind of response. I know the response I'm going to get, um, and I can be ready for it. And, um, and I understand how it makes me feel, so I need to disconnect. And the first thing we need to do is disconnect physically. So what I'm going to say is, so you've had an encounter with this person, and, you know, the encounter is over, and you're feeling bad. You're feeling uh, whatever it is. They, 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 they've attacked your confidence, whatever. The first thing I want you to do when you're walking away from this person is scan your body. How is your body reacting to what just happened? Is your heart beating faster? Are your muscles tense? Is your jaw tense? Is your, um, uh, are your fists clenched? Uh, is your stomach hurting? Whatever, scan your body to see the effect that this has had on the body. And the first thing you have to do is relax that body. Take some deep breaths. Do some stretching a little bit to get the muscles to relax. Teach yourself that you need to stop the physical reaction because once you stop the physical reaction, it's going to stop the chemical reaction that's going on in your body. So the first step when you walk away from these people is to scan your body, relax your body, make sure, see how they've affected you and what's happening. And once you know that, you know that going in, 
you can relax your body before you even go in to encounter them the next time because you know where it shows up in your body. So I'm not going to let her have this effect again. I know Unless that my back muscle tends to... sneak up on you. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> but, but even so, if you can yes. control the ones you know, you've already cut down 50% of the response. So, okay. And then you want to disconnect mentally. Once your body is relaxed, then you have to say, okay, so is this really my problem? Is what has happened here, is it my problem? Am I not good enough? Am I not uh, um, doing enough for this victim? Um, or is this their problem? Do they treat everybody the way they're treating me? And if that's the case, then it's not my problem. It's their problem. And most of the time you're going to see that these people are treating other people exactly the same way. It's part of their character. They have to. So once I start to realize, eh, this isn't about me. This is how they treat everybody. Okay. So it's not my problem. I don't have to be better. They're not better than me. This is the way they treat everybody. So now I can mm -hmm. disconnect a little bit. And then I have to be able to say, so how much control did I just give them? Well, I just gave them a whole lot of control because I got emotionally upset. My body reacted to them. And this is about their problem. So you know what? I don't have to let that happen again. And some things that, so the next disconnect is verbal. What should you have said? What could you have done to change that situation? Now, maybe saying nothing is appropriate. If it's your boss, you have to be careful. If it's your boss's <laughs> boss, you even have to be more careful, you know? Right, so there may right. be situations where you're just going to have to suck it up, but you understand it's not your problem, it's theirs. But then there may be things that you can do or say. Here are some of my favorites. So tell me how that's working out for you, all right? Now, when the victim says, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this. Look what they did. They just gave me all these cases again, and I already had more cases than everybody else, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. What they're trying to get you to do is take some of their cases, and the response mm -hmm. to them would be, gee, look at all those cases. You know, let me know how that works out for you and walk away. All right? Is it going to piss them off? Absolutely, because they weren't able to manipulate you into taking their cases. You know, mm -hmm. but you mm -hmm. haven't insulted them. You haven't been rude. You've just said, wow, let me know how that goes for you. You know, um, yeah, kind you're of a still showing a little, yeah, you're still showing a little bit of interest. Um, when someone tries to put you down, when someone, you know, maybe you should get some singing lessons, you know, like I said earlier. Yeah. One of my favorite responses to folks who are telling me I need to be something else or do something else that I'm doing, one of my favorite responses is, that's an interesting perspective. You know, that's an interesting <laughs> idea. All uh -huh. right? You're not saying they're right, but you're not saying they're wrong. Or saying something like, well, that is another way of looking at it, isn't it? Right. You're not telling them they're right or wrong, and you don't go away feeling like you compromised your integrity or you caved or you gave in to them. You just said, hmm, that's yeah, an Yeah, you're not putting them down. You're just you're acknowledging briefly, right, with their comment mm -hmm. and kind of moving on from there. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and cool. you feel and, – and, and, the, and, the, and the key here is how do you feel when you walk away? And I see we're kind of over time, so I've shut up. <laughs> well, we can, can. I know we have some other material that we wanted to get to, but we, we can always do a part two, Dwayne. Okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, so keep that in mind, and, and we'll talk. But, yes, uh, we, we have come to the end of our hour, I believe, and this has been fascinating, and I hope that uh, we'll circulate this and that everyone, this can be a very useful tool because we all deal with people um, who we, you know, who we feel uncomfortable with. And now I think you have given us a set of tools. So I thank you, thank you so much. And this is going to be valuable for us. And um, Delilah, any parting comments? Well, no, this has been very, very enlightening. And uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the information very much. 
it was almost like being in a therapy session. Thanks, Dwayne. <laughs> we can all use this in our everyday lives, and that's that's the value of this. So, so thank you very much, Dwayne. We will uh, we'll be in touch shortly. So, everyone, we're going to be signing off to this edition of Shattered Lives. Be sure to uh, stay tuned for next week. Uh, be good and stay out of trouble. Thanks, Delilah. Thanks, Dwayne. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.